Where's your husband, Danny? Where's number two and three? Are they sleeping neath the palms beside the Caribbean Sea? At night I hear you writing and I hear your lover's call And I still can feel your presence round the great house at Rose Hall Rose Hall sits on top of a hill overlooking former sugar plantations near Montego Bay, Jamaica. The Georgian mansion, completed in 1770, had mahogany floors and paneling, as well as interior windows and doorways. The mansion also boasted ornamental chandeliers hanging from its ceilings. However, the owners were deep in debt, and coupled with the end of slavery in 1831, this led Rose Hall's owners to abandon the mansion and leave it to ruin. The abandoned property soon became the spark for ghost stories and fantastic tales of the paranormal. Rose Hall became a legend in the 1930s, soon after a book was published in 1928 entitled The White Witch of Rose Hall. Herbert DeLisser presented a fictionalized tale of Annie Palmer's life, the mistress who once lived at Rose Hall. He believed the alleged paranormal activity in the mansion was nonsense, and decided to write a more adventurous book in which Annie practices voodoo, kills three husbands, physically abuses slaves, and was promiscuous. The facts and fiction vary greatly. However, there are still people who perpetuate the myth, including ghost hunters and television personalities. In the late 1960s, wealthy John Rollins bought Rose Hall. He went on to restore the mansion to its former glory with a few additions, including a bar that sold souvenirs, a restaurant, and tours to profit from alleged paranormal activity. Today, the Grand House is part of the Hilton hotel chain. Herbert DeLisser tells us in his fictionalized version of Annie's life that she learned voodoo when she lived in Haiti as a child. After her parents died, Annie, now twice widowed, moved to Jamaica and married John Palmer. After he died, she married Robert Rutherford, who went on to have an affair with Millicent, who was both their housekeeper and daughter of a local voodoo practitioner named Taku. According to the story, Annie discovered the affair and cursed Millicent, who became deathly ill. In revenge, Taku and some other slaves then murdered Annie by suffocating her. According to Hans Holzer in the 2004 paperback edition of his book, Ghosts, True Encounters with the World Beyond, some people called the mansion the most haunted house in the Western Hemisphere. He twice visited Rose Hall in efforts to contact the spirit of Annie Palmer. Holzer claims, quote, Annie Porter's spirit never left the mansion, end quote. He used the last name of Porter, not Palmer, for unknown reasons. Holzer further claimed that Eileen Garrett, one of the most talented trance mediums and the co-founder of the Parapsychology Foundation, visited Rhodes Hall, accompanied by researchers. She went into a deep trance, and Annie's hysterical ghost took over her body. In summation, he said that this was a rare case where an earthbound spirit couldn't leave her physical location. So, here begins my journey into visiting and investigating Rose Hall. 
It will begin with my personal visit and end with research into the Jamaican historical archives as well as historical Rose Hall journals and church records. This is Unsolved Mysteries of the World, Season 2, Episode 1, The Haunting at Rose Hall, Jamaica. The legends and haunting of Rose Hall in Jamaica is known worldwide. Its reputation as an active haunted location has been documented and showcased by several prominent teams of ghost investigators and individuals researching the paranormal. Rose Hall has come to be known as the most evil, the most haunted, and the most scariest place on earth. I was about to investigate and come face to face with the White Witch of Rose Hall. My investigation and research will no doubt shock some of the listeners. The legends and hauntings of Rose Hall surround one, Annie Palmer, matriarch of Rose Hall and the surrounding sugar plantation. In the 1700s, a woman's route to wealth and power was usually via marriage, and Annie Palmer was no exception. Born in France, Annie was a petite woman, barely four feet tall, it is said, who moved to the beautiful island of Jamaica to be the wife of a powerful man who owned Rose Hall and a thousand acres of sugar plantation. Little is known of her early days at Rose Hall, but it is said she visited Haiti before arriving in Jamaica and studied voodoo. We do not know if she came to the island already imbued with a streak of cruelty or if she cultivated it under the demands of her husband and her duties as the mistress of the great house. It is said that she pined greatly for the bright lights of Paris and found life on the island to be a hardship. Whatever the cause, Annie was feared by the slaves who lived on and worked the plantation. She ruled with an iron fist. And defiance, or even perceived insolence, was answered with public whippings, torture in the dungeon, and even death. Annie started her day by stepping to the small bedroom balcony and issuing the orders of the day to assembled slaves in the yard. Her orders often included punishments and executions. Perhaps out of boredom or sheer wantonness, Annie started taking slaves to her bed. When the mistress of the house lavished her attentions on a slave, that man's days were numbered. When Annie tired of her lover, she would murder him and have him buried in an unmarked grave. We know little of her first husband, John Palmer, except to say that she murdered him in his bed as well. Perhaps he caught her in the act, or maybe she just was too tired of him. These were rather lawless times, and the sudden death of the master of the estate seemed not to cause any investigation. Regardless, Annie cultivated the image of being a tough and merciless mistress, at least in part to keep her from appearing to be easy prey. These were difficult times to be a woman, particularly a rich widow in a country frequented by pirates and the like. Annie found another way to remain independent and in control. She practiced black magic. Many of the slaves were practitioners of the art, and in order to curry favor and live longer, they taught Annie everything they knew about magic, particularly voodoo. This was to include human sacrifice, particularly of infants whose bones she used to practice the black magic. 
Soon, Annie was known far and wide as the White Witch of Jamaica. Her reputation for ruthlessness and magic powers served to keep her safe from those who would normally consider her a target. Even so, Annie found time and reason to marry two more husbands, which she eventually dispatched in a similar manner, acquiring their wealth in the process. One has to assume they were foreigners unacquainted with Annie's reputation on the island. Annie's overseer was a slave known to be quite powerful at voodoo, a fact he managed to conceal from Annie at the risk of his own life. The overseer had a daughter who was engaged to marry another handsome young slave on the plantation. Unfortunately, Annie's lustful eye fell upon the young man, and he was soon called upon to pleasure the mistress of the house. The overseer knew what to expect, and began to make preparations to protect the young man from Annie's disposable lover policy. However, Annie did not follow her usual pattern, and she killed the young man that same night, instead of playing with him for a week or so. Perhaps he objected to her attentions and declared his love for another. Whatever the reason, the young man was dead, the overseer's daughter grief-stricken, and the overseer was filled with helpless rage. Annie must die at all costs. A special grave was prepared in the woods within sight of the great house, using voodoo ritual and markings. The overseer then entered the house, confronting the white witch and engaged her in magical and physical battle. He succeeded in killing her, sacrificing his own life in the process. Slaves who were privy to the overseer's plan entombed the body of the white witch in the specially prepared grave a grave designed to keep her from rising and walking the plantation again. But they failed to complete the ritual properly, and the White Witch is said to roam the Great House to this day. That is the legend. That is the story. With such a rich heritage and such a dramatic legend, it is no doubt that authors, musicians, radio personalities, and television shows gained interest in Rose Hall and the said hauntings. In recent times, Ghost Hunters International filmed an episode of their popular program at Rose Hall. In previous to Ghost Hunters International, Linda Blair's Scariest Places on Earth featured Rose Hall. I will include links to the program on our Facebook page. With such media exposure, I was tainted and knew the story of Rose Hall and the legends of the Great House. I was excited and ready to begin when I was told I was not allowed to do any overnight investigation, but was welcome to participate in a daytime or evening investigation. I was told that many of the previous paranormal encounters took place in the afternoon and that I was sure to get evidence and be prepared. My investigation began outside in a peaceful garden area. I moved slowly towards what the caretakers called the dungeon of the great house. Historically, I called the dungeon a previous root cellar, and now a modern gift store. I was told the people feared the location, smelled blood, and felt the horrible crimes of the White Witch. I felt nothing, and continued to the first floor. Rose Hall is a spectacular piece of heritage, and the curators have created a fantastic and accurate portrayal of what the great house used to look like. The US investor spent $1.5 million to repair and restore the great house. There is no doubt 
it was a wise investment. Individuals are charged $22 each to take a self-guided tour, and it is one of Jamaica's top visited tourist sites. The dungeon held books, collectibles, and trinkets for the tourists. The sad part is, average Jamaicans would not be allowed to visit the site, nor be able to afford any of the gift shop's offerings. I sat on the first floor alone for several moments and decided to move on. Several of the bedrooms were mentioned as having ghosts, the murdered souls of Annie's husbands. Each bedroom, I waited, recorded, and investigated. And again, my senses told me nothing. My equipment revealed that I was completely alone. I was beginning to feel a great deal of disappointment and decided to call out for Annie, out loud, to ask her to reveal herself to me. And to my surprise, I met her. I'd like to take a short break now to tell you about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by The Sorting Chat. The Sorting Chat is a newish podcast wherein three women talk via Google Hangout each month to talk minutiae related to Harry Potter, a series of books for children. They drink and laugh at each other with occasional guest stars. Like any true lovers, they take J.K. Rowling's source material too seriously and make fun of it relentlessly at whim. The podcast drops the first Thursday of each month, and sometimes more. Visit www.thesortingchat.com for more details and to catch up on episodes. Now, back to Unsolved Mysteries of the World. And there she was, looking right back at me in full view. The painting is said to be of Annie Palmer the White Witch of Rose Hall. I stared in silence at the painting, trying to get an impression, and I felt sadness and confusion. The said Annie Palmer in the painting is smiling, youthful, and has an uncanny appeal to her. She does not look like the stereotypical voodoo mistress. But what do I know? Maybe her appearance is an illusion. I continued throughout the bedrooms, but did not capture any evidence on camera, nor with EVP or any other device that I had. Each bedroom was said to be used by the White Witch to kill her husbands in gruesome ways, but I didn't feel even mildly apprehensive. I did feel the sense of history and majesty this place projects, but I did not once feel anything haunted. I was then told to visit the grave of Annie Palmer outside as it was rumored to be the most haunted location on the entire property. I proceeded outside and a woman was near the grave singing in Patois. She cautioned me about the White Witch's grave and to be really sure if I wanted to proceed. I did. And again, nothing. No feeling. No evidence, no haunting, for me at least. I was gravely disappointed and decided to simply walk around the property on my own will to see if I could get anything. 
As you can guess, I did not record any evidence nor feel any evil presence as I was promised I would. I did, however, manage to see a glimpse of Johnny Cash's mansion house. He was fascinated by Annie Palmer and wrote a song about her. After wrapping up the investigation, I proceeded to do my research. I found countless tales of this haunting, each with their own perspective and story. Then I found documented history, irrefutable facts that make me believe that Rose Hall is not haunted by Annie Palmer and the story of the White Witch of Rose Hall, one of the most, quote, haunted places on earth, quote, the most evil place imaginable, is simply an urban legend, Jamaican style. It is no surprise that those previous producers of Ghost Hunters International that visited Rose Hall did not do their research, and if they did, they ignored it completely. Because after all, they are simply there to entertain, not to inform, learn, or share. So how did this urban legend begin? Jeffrey Yates, assistant archivist at Jamaica Archives, explains in detail. The melodramatic legend of Mrs. Annie Palmer of Rose Hall and Palmyra in St. James, a woman of unknown origins and of sinister beauty who was murdered by her slaves as a retribution for her wickedness, is widely known and believed in Jamaica. It is frequently retold in magazine articles, and visitors to the island are regaled with lurid stories of debauchery and death which are alleged to have taken place at this one splendid plantation house. Sometimes the scene of Mrs. Palmer's murder is transferred to Palmyra, a nearby property. There have, however, always been bold spirits who have mentioned the conglomeration of inconsistencies, inaccuracies, and overwriting which bedevils the whole affair. It is behind these spirits that I shelter when I come forward to brave the belief of the public and state categorically that neither Mrs. Rosa Palmer nor Mrs. Annie Mary Palmer was ever murdered by slaves at Rose Hall or Palmyra, that there is no evidence that either of them was involved in debauchery or unnatural cruelty. The commonly held tales are without any foundation whatsoever. For this, I rest my case on official archival evidence, which has never been examined in detail. I must also state that neither was Mrs. Palmer ever known to her slaves or contemporaries as the White Witch of Rose Hall. This title was invented by H.G. Delisser for his novel, which was published in 1929, almost a hundred years after slavery ended. Rose Hall, as we know it, in ruined splendor, was built by the Honorable John Palmer, Custos of St. James, somewhere between 1770 and 1780, at approximately the same time as Colbeck's Great House and most other plantation residences of Jamaica. It was built on the site of a previous residence, which was also known as Rose Hall, named after its mistress, Rosa Kelly, daughter of Reverend John Kelly and Mary, his wife, of St. Elizabeth. Rosa Kelly was the Honorable John Palmer's second wife, whilst he was her fourth husband, and they had been married 25 years when she died in 1790. Her monument in the parish church at Montego Bay is well known. 
Let me say here that there is no breath of suspicion that either Rosa or John Palmer was a murderer or had been murdered. Shortly after Rosa's death, the Honorable John married a young bride, Rebecca Ann James, of a prominent family in that past of Jamaica. In 1797, the Honorable John died at his Brandon Hill residence. Almost immediately, Rebecca went to England, where she married Dr. Nathaniel Weeks of Barbados and eventually died at Sidmouth in Devon in late 1846 or early 1847. During all those years, we must remember, Rebecca enjoyed a handsome annuity from Rose Hall in Palmyra under the marriage settlement, and it was this annuity which was the greatest charge on all the profits and proceeds from these estates. Like many other rich planters of the period, the Honorable John Palmer lived on credit, which was fine as long as the sugar boom lasted. His wealth was more apparent than real, and the more he spent on building and furnishing Rose Hall, the deeper he floundered on debt. Eventually, in 1792, his creditors foreclosed and he was forced to mortgage Rose Hall in Palmyra, moving to his more modest house in Brandon Hill, where, as we know now, he died. To cut a long story short, the merchants, Misters, Hilbert and company, sold out their interests and the properties fell into the hands of the Court of Chancery. It was this court which was responsible for administrating such properties by means of officially appointed receivers. The receivers saw to the administration of slave labor, providing such plantation supplies, food, clothing, medical attention, such as it was in those days. Doled out, punishment if necessary, sold and shipped the sugar and rum. They were responsible for submitting accounts which were officially lodged with the court and which survive in the Jamaica archives at Spanish Town. In all these accounts, there is no mention of money being spent on repairing or maintaining either Rose Hall or the Palmyra Great House. The receivers who were men of prominence such as the Honorable William Miller, Custos of Trelawney, and William Heath, a solicitor, had their own houses. We can therefore assume that Rose Hall and Palmyra were empty except for the housekeepers from about 1792 onwards. In all of this legal embroilment centering around these properties that were in debt, however, the real owner still retained some kind of title. In 1818, John Rose Palmer, the great nephew and heir to the Honorable John, came to Jamaica, obviously with the intention of trying to wrest Rose Hall and Palmyra from the hands of the Court of the Chancery, so that he might enjoy such profits as were left after the payment of Rebecca Weeks' annuity. His brief life in Jamaica was significantly unsuccessful, for although he managed to become appointed official receiver to his own estates, he was so hard up that he was compelled to mortgage the receivership to Henry Martin Ockrams of London. I make these points to emphasize the fact that, although he may have had a case for claiming he was the true heir, he did not own the slaves of Rose Hall or Palmyra, nor could his wife whilst he was alive as they would not belong to him by law. Now, who is going to lend money for orgies whilst the properties are in the hands of the lawyers? And what receiver is going to allow a woman to carry on as Anna Mary Palmer is alleged to have carried on when he must endeavor to make the place pay? In November 1827, John Rose Palmer died at Rose Hall, aged 42. 
In those days of fever and rudimentary medical care, there is nothing particularly peculiar about this event. During his brief life in Jamaica, he had served regularly in Montego Bay as a JP. In 1824, he was appointed to administer the neighboring estate of Running Gut, while George Withorn Lawrence, the owner, was absent in Scotland. When his death was reported in the Royal Gazette and in the Kingston Chronicle some four or five days after it took place, his obituary read, His intrinsic worth, kind heart, and generous disposition obtained him the esteem of all his acquaintances. But to his family and those friends who had the pleasure of being intimate with him, his loss is irreparable. Even allowing for a measure of hyperboil, it is obvious he was quite a prominent citizen. It was his wife who was supposed to have murdered all these well-known men, and to have lived on at Rose Hall, enjoying the embraces of all these lovers, until she in turn was murdered in some voodoo sacrifice. But can anyone who has ever read a detective thriller suppose that such a murder at such a prominent place could have escaped detection and the attention of the newspapers of the day? Where is the evidence? And who was the supposed criminal anyway? The answer is, there was no murders, no motive, and no evidence. Annie Marie Patterson, upon whom a malicious and unjust fate has bestowed such an evil and unmerited reputation, was born in the autumn of 1802, the only child of John Patterson. John Patterson died in 1801 at the age of 24, before his daughter Annie Marie was born. The young girl was brought up by guardians, including her mother, her grandfather, her uncle, and later her stepfather. Her mother, Juliana, married Captain David Boyd, a retired naval officer and professional planting attorney. William Brown died in 1817, Mrs. Boyd in 1832, and Captain Boyd in 1842 so that Annie Marie was not alone in the world even after she was married. Her mysterious and unknown origin, her training in voodoo, these must be abandoned in favor of upbringing on a property normal for her time in class. We do not know how and when Annie met John Rose Palmer, but on March 28, 1820, they were married at Mount Pleasant in St. James, at the home of Captain and Mrs. Boyd. Annie Marie was 17, the young couple, so we are told by the Royal Gazette, were married again in England on their honeymoon. This was not unusual as sometimes doubt was expressed as to the validity of marriages in those days. After returning from England, the couple moved to Rose Hall, not to a life of luxury, but one of many money worries, as so often to newlyweds. Annie did not enjoy her married life for long, with John Rose Palmer, as he died seven years later, some 6,000 pounds in debt. His personal possessions, including 350 pounds worth of plates and some debts owing him, totaled a mere 1,100 pounds. What was his wife to do? She had no money, no real claim to the estate, no slaves, nothing. She left to seek shelter elsewhere and eventually sold out whatever right she may have had to Rose Hall and Palmyra for a mere 200 pounds sterling to a Dr. Bernard in Bristol. This was in 1830. 
However, Rose Hall was empty before this, as we know, for a variety of reasons. In a Rose Hall estate journal from the time, we know that Annie Palmer was not at Rose Hall or her other estate from 1829 to 1832. There was one caretaker at each estate. The second estate was so in debt that the receiver sold it for a mere 45 pounds in 1833 to the caretaker herself. However, according to official enrolled slave return, she had in June 1829 four slaves, Samir, age 30, Sarah Smith, age 30, and Sarah's two children, Alexander and Charles, aged six and eight, respectively. In 1833, she is listed as being at Bellevue St. James with eight slaves. Bellevue and Bonavista are both shown by the Jamaica Almanacs as belonging to the Bernard family and may well have been both part on the same property, as both names mean beautiful view. She does not list any slaves however, in 1884. Annie, Mary Palmer, never married again and had no children and was not destined to live to a ripe old age. In 1846, she died at Bonavista near Anchovy and was buried in the churchyard at Montego Bay by Reverend T. Garrett on July 9th. No tombstone has survived to mark the spot, but church records are available. Therefore, the gravesite behind Rose Hall is a fraud. By Annie's will, which may be seen in the Jamaica archives, she left everything which cannot have amounted to very much, because it was not even specified, to Giola Mary Spence, her goddaughter, age two, the child of Dr. and Mrs. Patrick Spence of Montego Bay. This then was the true end of a woman allegedly murdered by her own slaves long after the end of slavery. So how then did this legend grow? For an examination of the printed sources, I should draw my listeners' attention to an article by Miss Gloria Robertson of the West India Reference Library entitled The Rose Hall Legend, Was It Really Annie? in the Jamaica Historical Society Bulletin of December 1964. Miss Robertson writes, Nowhere in the official archives of Jamaica, is there anything I have yet discovered which either links Rosa or Annie Mary Palmer with any form of crime, debauchery, or unnatural death? It was Reverend Waddell who first mentions the strangling of a Mrs. Palmer at Palmyra in 1830. As Rosa was not murdered and Annie Mary Palmer was still alive, who could it have been whom he was told was strangled? Probably, he was told some confused story by a slave or plantation hand talking patois, which he did not understand correctly, and which related to some murder which took place perhaps even a hundred years before, when such things were more likely. Legend grows rapidly, smothering facts and attaching itself like a vine to places where it does not belong. Statements are made only a few years after events have taken place, which on examination are found to be untrue. Somewhere, a far-off tale of murder has become attached to Rose Hall and Palmyra, and to those two Mrs. Palmers who live there. Hearsay rumors were taken as gospel truth, 
And once the legend was given currency by James Costello in his pamphlet of 1868, it stuck. Because it was in print, it became believed as true. And then people started to look for bloodstains and ghosts, and they saw them. The White Witch of Rose Hall, a fictional novel, then exploded the myth. The legend throve, the facts disappeared. Now it has become so firmly established. But we know there were no murdered slaves. There was no voodoo or witchcraft practiced. Annie Palmer could not have been murdered at Rose Hall, as she died and was buried by the church in Montego Bay. The entire story is simply untrue. Therefore, there cannot be any ghosts or hauntings going on at Rose Hall. It is simply a fictitious tale that has grown into a modern-day spectacle. In 2010, Ghost Hunters International investigated Rose Hall, and more recently, on Season 5, Episode 13, the Ghost Adventures crew investigated and called out the White Witch. Both were investigating a fictitious ghost and fictionalized paranormal activity, and likewise, both were convinced Rose Hall was haunted by the White Witch and accumulated much evidence course they did. It's entertainment and nothing more. Here's a clip from the Ghost Adventures episode in which Zach Baggins tries to lure the White Witch. Annie was very bad, evil. Yes. But I like her. She will like you too. Really? Yes. Well, she always killed her lovers the yes. next morning, right? Yes. Uh-huh. So if we chitty chitty bang bang the night, I'll be gone in the morning anyway. I'm not sure you'll get to leave. Are you good at chitty chitty bang bang? I think so. <laughs> okay. We'll see. We'll see. If you are a serious researcher, investigator, or are just curious about the paranormal and strange events, these types of television para-celebrities are best avoided. Sitting around a campfire late at night, Beer in hand, telling tales of Slender Man, Bigfoot, and the Wendigo, or listening to your favorite podcast about these legends. What better way to get a quick snack fix that is not only healthy, but low in sodium and fat, and one that gives you an energy boost in case something creeps out of the wood and you need to make a quick getaway? Today's podcast is brought to you by Jurassic Jerky. With over 25 gourmet flavors of tender, flavorful jerky, Jurassic Jerky is not only preservative-free, it is MSG-free, low in sodium and fat. Jurassic Jerky gives you traditional flavors, along with creations like orange teriyaki, whiskey straight, draft beer, and applewood smoke-style bacon jerky. Yes, bacon jerky. If you enjoy this podcast, Order online at www.jurassicjerkyllc.com and enter promo code WORLD10, all in caps, for 10% off your order, free shipping over $30, and a free floss or toothpick in each package to ensure clean teeth. Not only that, each purchase you make, a portion of the proceeds will be donated to charities that support wounded combat veterans 
Again, that is www.jurassicjerkyllc.com. And enter promo code WORLD10 to get our special offer. Thank you for listening to Unsolved Mysteries of the World. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, or your other favorite podcast directory, and subscribe, rate, and review. We would really appreciate your support. If you haven't already, join us on Facebook to enhance this episode with photos, illustrations, and lively discussion. Look for our suggested links and do share this podcast with others. Perhaps you or someone you know will have a solution to this mystery. This podcast is created by Cold Rasta Studios and includes music and sound effects by John Savoy, Albert Ray, Gerardo Garcia Jr., Rana Szilard, Madia Capelli, Alex Lisi, Martin Kahlberg, and Adrian von Ziegler. <laughs>